May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Well, it's that time of the year again, isn't it? This afternoon, maybe tomorrow, I don't know what it is in your neighborhood, but you'll be deluged by little princesses and fairies and football players and soldiers and, I don't know, witches and Frankensteins. They'll all be coming to your door, knocking, asking for free candy. And um, they'll kind of have you, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, extorted so that you have to give them this free candy. And they'll threaten you if you don't. I'm no expert on the origins of Halloween, and I'm sure there are those who can tell me all about them. But um, I think early on, the idea was that scary costumes were mandated so that the homeowner might be fearful of what will happen if they don't give in to this extortion. And um, the catastrophe that would happen would, would be so bad as to make them go to their cupboards and, and dig out their sweets and give them to these little monsters that are outside the door. It really doesn't work like that anymore, does it? I mean, it's hard to see a little four-year-old looking like Dora the Explorer and saying trick-or-treat and thinking that there's really any kind of threat uh, present there. It isn't there. You know, you're not really afraid. You look at the school children who are walking up and down the street and they costumes on and plastic masks and they're carrying pillowcases and, and little pumpkins that are plastic and, and their parents are walking behind them and walking dogs and pushing strollers, and nobody's afraid. I mean, nobody. It's silly, I know, but, you know, if I looked in my neighbor's yard and he had the Grim Reaper in the front yard in April, I would be a little creeped out by him, wouldn't you? But in October, it's a joke, and it makes me laugh and smile, just like it does you. And all the scary stuff is supposed to be frightening, but it's not. Nobody sits in their house and says... Oh, you know, the zombies are going to get us. No, it's like, oh dear, he looks like a real zombie, doesn't he? Isn't that sweet? Uh, you know, here you drop your axe head, you know, and you, you know, we, we, we're not frightened. No one's frightened by Halloween. You know what we are frightened by? Hijackers. Hijackers frighten us, don't they? I mean, I, I was in the airport just a couple weeks ago, and I was on my way to the entertainment capital of the world, Little Rock, Arkansas. And that was a joke. If you've ever been there, you would know that. Um, and, and so I'm sitting in my gate, and like maybe you've done, you know, I'm kind of, uh, I, I'm not very politically correct. I have to admit it. It's a confession. But I'm sizing people up. I'm looking for the hijackers. And I'm like, oh, no, little old lady from Duluth, she's probably not a hijacker. And, you know, college kid from Denver, he's probably not. 30-year-old Saudi businessman. I've got my eyes on you, you know. And not that I think all Saudi businessmen are hijackers. You understand that, right? But I'm a little bit cautious. I'm looking around. I'm a little nervous. Maybe you are too. For good reason. We know what kind of damage hijackers can, can bring to the world. And it happened even before September the 11th. Even before that, we were, we were afraid. I mean, the word hijacker, this would strike terror in people's hearts, especially those people sitting in an airport. Uh, we, we were worried about, uh, perhaps you remember, um, there was a, a plane, an Air France plane, that was hijacked and taken to uh, Uganda. Uh, I think it was 72, something like that, 73, maybe in that era. Maybe somebody later will tell me about it. And... and um, and the Israeli um, uh, commandos, they said, like I can't remember, like 2,000 came down and, and stormed this plane and, and, um, and actually rescued almost all of the hostages. We're not afraid of vampires. 
But we are afraid of hijackers. And you know why? Because hijackers are real. That's why we're afraid of them. We're afraid because we know that they are real. They're out there. They can take control of your life and terrorize you. In the gospel lesson today, in the gospel lesson today, the Lord Jesus says, beware of hijackers. You're like, really? Because I missed that, Joe. I was, I was actually paying attention, and it didn't come across in my version. Um, yeah, well, bring it here. I'll fix it. It's what he says. He's talking about people who hijacked Judaism in the first century. People who hijacked a religion. He calls them scribes and Pharisees. And you say to yourself, you know, I like Jesus. Jesus is good. And he says, scribes and Pharisees are bad. Ergo, I don't like anybody, scribe or Pharisee. I, I, am, I am against all scribes and all Pharisees. But wait, not so fast, my friends. Scribe. The word scribe comes from the same root word as the word scripture. The scribes were, were biblical scholars. People who study the Bible. Pharisee means holy person. Person whose life is dedicated to God. Scribes, Bible scholars, Pharisees, holy men. Should we fear Bible scholars and holy men? I mean, I'm afraid of bandits in the bank, you know. I'm letting you a little bit into my own neuroses, okay. I'm afraid of bandits. I'm afraid of, you know, the drug dealers in the alleys. I don't know where they are, but I'm afraid of them. I'm not afraid of the Grim Reaper in my neighbor's yard. I certainly haven't been afraid of Bible scholars and holy men. And yet, that's what Jesus says. Fear them. Be weary of them. Be, be very uh, afraid of them. And, and you know what we do when we're afraid of somebody? What do we do? We stay away, right? We don't go anywhere near them. And yet, that's not Jesus' advice. His advice is not stay away, keep your distance, arm's length. None of that. In fact, listen to what he says. If you got your bulletin, maybe look at it. Uh, verse 2 of chapter 23 in the Gospel. The scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat... Therefore, do whatever they teach you and follow it. That's actually a horrible translation. I mean, it really is a very bad translation. If you look at the original, what Jesus actually says, in our, or the RSV is much closer. The scribes and Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So practice and observe whatever they tell you. Whatever they speak to you. See, there's a difference between speaking and teaching. In Jesus' day, no one had a Bible. No one except for the synagogue would have a copy of the Torah. And so people would go to synagogue to hear, to hear the scribes and the Pharisees read the scripture aloud. They would actually pay attention. You, you couldn't even look at it, they didn't even have a bulletin. You know, you go there and you would hear, the only way you could hear the Bible was to hear them reading it. Jesus' words, I think, are, listen, listen to the Bible, don't pay attention to what these men are saying after that. Listen to what they say before as they read, not as they teach. Because what do they do when they teach? It's right there in the very next verse. They bind heavy burdens, hard to bear. How do they bear heavy burdens, hard to bear? Well, it's a metaphor, isn't it? This is about laying on guilt and responsibility that's not, that's not legitimate. Uh, to manipulate people through fear and all other sorts of tactics. To make them think that that these holy men, that these Bible scholars had some sort of insight into God that no one else had so that everybody would be, oh no, we're, we're indebted to you. 
And so they would manipulate them. And, and you know, guilt has a wonderful way of working on human beings. It just keeps us coming back for more. Okay, I feel guilty, so I must go get more. And I need to get more. You know, uh, uh, are you one of those people who, who looks for loose hanging guilt? You know, you just grab it. If it's in the air, you're getting it. You know, this is, this is for me. It's a spiritual blessing. I mean, maybe it's a gift that you have. I, I have it too. You know, we're, we're looking for it. But you know, these, these religious hijackers, Jesus said, are actually much worse than just that. Not only do they want to inflict heavy burdens, won't lift a finger to help them, bring no hope, no, no redemption, nothing of that in their teaching. They also are actually much worse than that. Notice what he says in verse 5. They do all their deeds, look at this, to be seen by people. They want to be seen by people. They make their phylacteries. Remember I told you about these little boxes that they wore on their hands and on their head, had little scripture verses in them? They were, they were tied with, with, um, with leather straps up their arms and around their head. Those are called phylacteries. They made them really big so they could hold little dinky pieces of paper. Why? So that everyone could see them and say, Oh my, what do you have in there? Like a whole scroll? I mean, what's it? Look how holy that person must be. They make their fringes long on their, on their prayer shawls. So that everyone will see, Oh, you must be someone who prays a lot. They love the places of honor, the best seats. They love to be called rabbi. For people to run up to them and say, All of this is about, is about using religion as a corporate ladder to advance their own cause. With no real insight into what religion is about. They're hijacking it and making religion a tool for them to advance themselves. Beware of such people, Jesus says. Beware of them. And you say to yourself, well, that's this good and dandy, but how do I know? How do I know if, you know... If I'm hanging around with religious hijackers or if I'm with genuine people, what does it look like? What does genuine, what does genuine religion look like? And, and I think many, many evangelicals have misread Jesus' words here. You know, he, he says things like, uh, don't call anyone on earth father. Oh, so they said, that means no, um, you know, no using this for terms of uh, a clergy, you know, no Father Joe stuff, it's Pastor Joe. As if using a different title makes it any different. Paul's own words, notice Paul said in the, in the New Testament letter, well, you were, we were like fathers to you. St. John in his letter said, listen to me, you fathers. He's not talking about people who are parents. Jesus uses the word in other places. If you took it as a very literalness, then you couldn't even call your own uh, dad father. What he's talking about is not people who have the title or people who wear certain uh, clothes, but about people who want that. People who use that as a way to advance their own cause. Um, one of my jobs, you know, that being in an Anglican mission, you've got like millions of jobs, right? And so one of my jobs is that, that I, have to be, um, I have to be a guardian for ordination for people who want to become uh, priests and deacons in the Anglican mission. Uh, I don't actually do all the, uh, the ordaining. The bishop gets all that. I just do all the hard work, which is um, kind of working through all the processes. One of the people that I'm sure not to push forward are those that I can tell want all the trappings. I mean, 
actually want to wear these costumes, you know, and um, and love to be called by the titles. If that is in the front, you know, I'll just tell them. It's going to take you a long time. Because this isn't about wearing the clothes. It's about an internal reality that ought to be present. Jesus says this, you want to be, you want to be great it's not about not being called by certain titles. It's not about wearing certain outfits. It's about being a servant. If that's what you want, if that's who you are, guess what? You've got a future. But it's not limited to the life of the ordained, is it? You knew this was coming, didn't you? You're like, oh no. He's pounding himself pretty hard. I mean, it's coming our way sooner or later. Well, here it is. It's not about the life of the ordained. I thought that was kind of clever. Um, it's about... It's about all of us. Every single person who follows Jesus Christ is called to holiness. There's a universal call to holiness. It's not different for me than it is for you. It's not different for for me than it is for the bishop. It's not different for me than it is for the pope or for whoever. We are all called to the same thing, to holiness. And holiness is simply about this. It's about service and humility and putting others first. And I know I'm not there. That I worry too much about what other people think. And I work too hard to impress other people. And I, uh, you know, I strive for, for the wrong things too often. When we go to a, a supper, what do we do? We, somebody calls and invites us to supper. What a nice thing. They're inviting us to supper. What do we wear? You know, what do you care? You know, you care because you don't want to show up and be like, you know, I'm the only guy in jeans. Everybody else is wearing suits. Really? You couldn't have told me that. Um, you don't want to be the, you know, the person in toxin. Everybody else is wearing. Why? Well, it's natural. We don't want to feel out of place. Of course, we don't. Do you think when Simon the Pharisee said to Jesus, "I want you to come to my house for supper tonight," he said, "So what should I wear?" Um, so, somehow, I don't think Jesus would have done that. Do you? What do I wear? Uh, Zacchaeus, uh, I'm coming to your house today. Okay, well, make sure that you check the dress code before you show up. It doesn't happen, does it? Uh, last night, we, we were invited to a party. It was a Halloween party. So I went as Julius Caesar, which I thought was rather clever. You know, um, I'm, I'm actually in the very opposite costume today, right? Um, and so I, uh, I go as Julius Caesar, and I, I walk in the door, and, and don't you know, as soon as I walk in the door, there's another Caesar right there, you know? I'm like, oh, great, you know, we're going to be best friends. And, and then uh, I, I walk around the corner, and there was another, and then another. It must have been the night for Caesar, I guess, you know? Everybody's delivering pizza. I don't know what's going on. And so here I am in this party, and all these Caesars... I don't know. Maybe you go to costume parties too. Maybe, maybe you'll see little kids walking down the street today or tomorrow all dressed up. And you'll be reminded that Halloween comes from All Hallows' Eve, All Saints' Eve. And people dressed up in costume, pre- pretending to be one thing. When God is really concerned about what we really are, not on the outside, but on the inside. And maybe this little time of Halloween, All Saints' Eve, will give us just a little bit of a window into our own souls. Wouldn't that be nice? Amen.